Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the dude. Are you the type of person that's looking to build your liquor collection in your own home? Then go to Country Wine and Spirits Online Liquor Superstore. But check this out. They've also got a monthly vault membership. It's an exclusive offer. What does a monthly membership tips Country Wine and Spirits give you? Well, I'll tell you. You get free two to five business days ground shipping on all your orders over 50 bucks. Special offers, free mystery vault gifts in every shipment. And if you sign up right now, it's only $19.95 a month for the first three months. And if you sign up for this membership, you get 10% off site-wide on every purchase, including sale items. Plus, as a special with Hey Bartender podcast, you get the 10% off if you join the membership. But if you use Hey Bartender 5, you get 5% off your complete purchase. So you're getting 15% off your entire order if you sign up for the membership, plus use Hey Bartender 5 coupon at check out so go to cwspirits.com sign up for the membership get 10 percent off your entire order free shipping over 50 dollars. plus remember to use coupon code heybartender5 for an extra five percent off you can't beat that deal go to cwspirits.com hi my name is zach williams bartender at crafton neighborhood food and drink in nightdale north carolina and you're listening to the hey bartender podcast Hey bartender, pass me a drink. The reason that I'm here is I need time to think. All the ways of the world have really got me down. Welcome back to Hey Bartender Podcast, the podcast that wishes it was the fifth Beatle. I am your host for the evening. My name is Anthony. Tonight, I've got a great guest for you. Today, uh, where are you from, anyway? Uh, North Carolina. I live in uh, Wendell, North Carolina. Well, you got it, folks. Uh, from Wendell, North Carolina, I have Zach Williams. Zach, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Uh, doing great. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Uh, long day at work, but, uh, you know, time to wind down. So, let's start off. Well, we found out where you're uh, where you're at. I've made a number of trips to Charlotte. Uh, where where do you live in comparison to Charlotte? So, it's probably about three ish hours away from Charlotte. It's about thirty minutes from Raleigh. Okay, um, like just outside the capital um, of North Carolina. Um, I, I actually just moved here myself last August with my family, with my wife and kids, and. Honestly, before we bought our house here, I didn't even know this place existed. <laughs> uh, very small town. And we only found out about it because the housing market was awful last year. Yeah. And um, when we were looking, we were coming, I mean, we were coming across like, we would be going out to look at lots that didn't even have buildings started on it yet. And our realtor would call us while we were on the way. It was like, hey, all of the lots have sold. Yeah. <laughs> and it was absolutely bonkers and we finally put 
our bid down on this house in April of last year. We'd started in October of 2020, uh, put our bid down in April of last year and moved in in August. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's a very small town, um, but it's nice. I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is where Fort Bragg is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's nice being in like an area where my neighbors aren't like right on top of me. And I don't have to talk to people unless I want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so would you agree with me? I, I've mentioned this on many, many podcasts. Uh, I actually came to the realization a while ago that uh, bartenders and probably servers at the same time are a little on the introverted side. Um, I would definitely agree with that for, for myself personally it's weird because like I'm an extrovert when I want to be like, even outside of work, like if I'm at like a party or friends and stuff like that, but I don't necessarily go out seeking interactions as much as I used to. Mm. And I'm totally, I'm like chilling by myself, reading a book, playing video games, whatever. Mm. Um, so I kind of like just really depending on the moment fall on both sides of the coin. Um, because I know when I was younger, I like always had to be doing something. Yeah. Uh, like I'd get off work, go party till seven in the morning, uh, wake up, like look for stuff to do before I went to work. Uh, but now that I'm like older and calmed down at 35, um, <laughs> I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily like find myself, like I still like hanging out with friends when I get to, but it's not like the driving force of my day. Right. Like it used to be, but yeah. And there's a lot of bartenders I know that I'm either personally friends with and stuff that really are like, they have their friend circles, but like, that's it. They don't go out to party. Um, they're like, no, nah, I'm going to go home, go to sleep because I'm responsible. Um, <laughs> and stuff. And so like, I'd say it's probably at least a 50, 50 split. Um, of those friends who are more introverted or like they don't really shine until they're like with their close friends. Uh, so yeah, so I, I think that it's a fair assessment to say um, that there, there is a lot of like introverts and, and part of it might even just be because of the nature of the job, right? Like you just spend your job dealing with people all the time that like when you're done, you're like, okay, my brain needs a break. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. There, there were shifts that I remember where I could turn on, uh, turn on the charm with a light switch. Uh, but there were other days where I felt like I had to turn a crank to get it going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, I think your analogy is perfect where you said that, uh, we were being entertaining for 10 hour shifts and, uh, you know, talking to everybody doing everything and but just as soon as you turn off the closed light you lock the door it's just ugh. okay no more humans yeah you just want to sit and be quiet with yourself for a little while yeah yeah i know like even now like i'll get off work and before i go home before i do anything i just like sit in my car for like five minutes mm-hmm. i might like play on the phone or something but i just like chill decompress and then I'm like, all right, now I'm ready to go like 
hang out with my family. And that's really just depending on when I get home. Sometimes I get home and everyone just sleep. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always, every time I get off work, I just like sit in my car for at least five minutes just to like get people off my mind <laughs> and to like be fully by myself. Yeah. I remember one time I got off work and, well, I wasn't out of the building yet. I clocked out. But I looked up at the TV that I hadn't turned off yet, and I started seeing the credits, and I'm like, uh, this the beginning of the movie, and I start, started thinking, I know this movie. And then it started going in about a few minutes into it, and I'm like, this is Weird Al Yankovic's movie, UHF. And oh, so, I yeah, so I went over behind the bar, like I said, I'm not much of a drinker, so I poured myself a Coke, pulled down a, pulled down a couple chairs, put my feet up, and... I thought, I'm just going to watch the first half hour of this movie, then I'll go home. I ended up watching the whole thing. <laughs> just just because I was relaxed. It was funny, you know? <laughs> and It is the underrated movie. Yeah. Very. Uh, so anyway, uh, before we get start really started on this show, um, uh, I, I like my guests to present a drink special at the beginning of the show. Do you, what do you have for us tonight? Um, so I guess I'm going to go with the, uh, cowboy Kickstarter. It's the first drink I got onto the bar menu at the restaurant I work at right now. It's a shot of whiskey. So one ounce of whiskey, one ounce of tequila. Um, at work, I use, uh, like a half ounce of egg whites. Um, if I'm at home, I like to use the whole egg for like a richer drink. Um, and then I use a uh, half ounce of lemon juice, half ounce of simple and um, down the hatch bitters, which are a hatch chili bitter from remedy cocktail company, mm-hmm. uh, which is a local bitters company here in North Carolina. Uh, and then dry shake, get everything incorporated, throw some ice in, shake it again, pour it into a coupe glass. So have that nice foam. Uh, generally for my coupe glasses, I like to do like a rim of tahine with mm-hmm. it. Um, but it's a really tasty drink. Um, not too sour, not too sweet. Um, and the egg white, if you go with the egg white, gives it like that nice foamy top. Um, but if you go with the whole egg, it, it makes it like really nice and rich as well. Uh, and the hatch chile bitters, um, gives it like just this little hint of spice. Yeah. Well, so, it sounds interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, per- personally, you know, the mixture of tequila and the bourbon kind of caught my attention at first but you said it goes down kind of uh, pretty sweet uh, with the, thanks to the egg whites. Yeah. With the egg whites and the simple and it helps balance it out. Um, and honestly, when I made it the first time, uh, a, a lot of times when I make my drinks, I either come up with like a tagline or a name for it before I do anything else. Uh, and I don't know why. Um, but then I am like, well, what would build into this name? And so when I was like Cowboy Kickstarter, um, I based it because I was like, ooh, I want to do like a flip, uh, you know, like an egg drink. And um, and so I was like, what makes me think of cowboys? I was like, whiskey, tequila. And so I was like, okay, I want to build a drink with a split base of whiskey and tequila. Um, and so I experimented with a few different combinations and stuff. Um, and amounts to get everything right. Um, but 
ended up coming up with something that I was pretty uh, happy with. And the manager at the bar I work at, he liked. It's been a pretty popular drink on our menu um, because a lot of um, people are still just now getting into uh, like the egg whites and like eggs in their drink and stuff, um, especially around here where um, I won't say the craft cocktail movement is just coming to because um, that wouldn't be accurate. But in the area that I'm at, it is it's starting to bleed out from like Raleigh yeah. and stuff as Developments is going on around here. We're getting a lot of new people who are looking to try stuff like that, and or they already have because of you know uh, sours with egg whites coming back into popularity and stuff. Um, so it it gave me a chance to experiment with something that I wasn't too familiar with. It's actually the first egg drink I'd ever made. Um, so toying with that was a lot of fun. But, um, like I said, the whiskey and tequila, uh, they don't like combat each other too hard. Um, and everything just kind of like everything together makes it have this nice, nice balance throughout that I enjoy. Now, when people invent drinks like that, was there any trial and error? I mean, the, was the first, uh, was it good at the first time out or when you said, okay, let's try this and <laughs> so it was good enough for me to keep working with. Ah, okay. Um, so it, it definitely was not perfect the first time I did it. Cause I think the very first time I made it, um, it was just the whiskey, the bourbon, the egg and the lemon juice. So I didn't have the bitters in it yet. I didn't have the simple syrup in it. Um, so it was like enough of a concept that I could be like, okay, this can work, but how do we make it work? And, uh, so then there was a lot of trial and error seeing like, I ended up like in the moment making my own pot of simple syrup and which, you know, takes like a couple minutes, but, um, and I tried adding that. And so the first time I did too much and I was like, okay, we're getting there. Um, but not quite. And, uh, so I had it in my mind, went to work and uh, my manager actually runs a podcast as well. Uh, the North Carolina food and beverage podcast. And he just had remedy cocktail company on his show. And so they had given us this box of like a sample, like 12 different um, bitters that they make. And I was looking through them and he was like, take some home experiment with them, see what you can get. And so I picked like three or four and one of them I picked was the down the hatch. And I was like, Oh, I bet this would be perfect conceptually for being like the cowboy Kickstarter with the spice and peppers and stuff like that. Um, and that was like the final thing I needed, um, to really like tie everything together into something that was like, had some depth and wasn't just like a one note drink, mm-hmm. but yeah, there was definitely some trial and error there to make it work. Well, people, if you try the Cowboy Kickstarter, uh, let me know what you think about it. Email me, dude, at Hey Bartender Podcast, and I'll relay the information to Zek. Or you can uh, contact Zek, which we will give you his information towards the end of the show. Now available at CW Spirits, Bake Sale Chocolate Chip Cookie Dough Liqueur. With the holidays starting up, it's time for you guys to start thinking about how you're going to stock up your bar for your parties. 
Bake Sale Chocolate Chip Cookie Liqueur contains 12 pouches of their award-winning chocolate chip cookie liqueur. Each tear-open pouch contains one and a half ounces of Bake Sale, a 40% alcohol liqueur that tastes like cookies because it's made from thousands of pounds of real chocolate chip cookies. Some of my favorite ways I like to enjoy it is just a straight shot because it's cookies. Come on. Mix it with coffee. Uh, Pour it on a scoop of vanilla ice cream. You will not be disappointed. Imagine handing your guests a pouch of chocolate chip cookie-flavored liqueur and everybody smiling and having a good time. Available at CWSpirits.com. Use code HEYBARTENDER5 at checkout for 5% off. Hey Bartender! All right, so uh, let's uh, start at the beginning. Um, well, not all the way at the beginning, uh, but uh, when did you start in the service industry? I started in the service industry. So actually, when I got out of high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was walking through a local community college, and they had a pamphlet for culinary arts. And I was like, what the hell? Uh, so I got into culinary arts and started learning cooking and stuff like that. Did that for about a year until I took my first baking class. And I was like, this is terrible. I never want to do this again. And so I quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I don't have the patience for like proper baking. But because of that, I started working in a restaurant, a um, little family owned place called the Italian Tavern, uh, making pizzas and pastas and all of that. Did and they would occasionally. the dough in the air thing? Uh... No, no, <laughs> it was super lame. Um, I, mo- I mostly handled like the wrap stuff like calzones and stromboli stuff that I didn't have to do a lot of like dough manipulation with. Um, but they would occasionally have me like help serve if we got like super busy. Uh, and there was like three or four of us in the kitchen. Um, they'd be like, Hey, can you just help take care of some of these tables? And I really enjoyed doing that. So when I left them, I got a job working for a place called Wiley's grill and bar, which was in a hotel. Um, And so I started serving there and basically right before I turned 21, um, I started kind of like learning my way around the bar. When I turned 21, I got to start working on the bar a little bit. Um, And it was all like basic stuff, whiskey Cokes, frozen margaritas, regular margaritas. Um, But I learned how to like pour drinks and pour beers and pour wines, which in North Carolina, you can actually pour beer and wine when you're 18. Mm. So that was like my intro into bartending and I worked there for probably two or three years. I don't even remember now. Um, and worked in basically every position in the restaurant at that place because like we'd like have cooks call out and I was experienced with that. So I could help their dishwasher would call out. So I'd help there. Um, sometimes we'd only have like one server on, uh, so I would do that and bartend. I actually had one night where I did every position in the restaurant all in one night, <laughs> yeah. uh, just like run through because we were so short staffed. Um, but it was like an event center, um, hotel. So we would sometimes get like weddings come through and stuff and be taking like 30, 40 top tables by ourselves. Um, because we usually only have like two or three servers on. And I went from there to another Italian restaurant where I was a server and we broke up pretty badly because I had a group come out. They tipped like a hundred dollars. Didn't realize they were auto and came back a few days later. 
And they were like, we want our tip back. And my manager was like, Hey, you have to pay them back. I was like, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I was like, one, I'm like 23 years old. I've already spent that hundred dollars. Like, and two, like, no, they signed it. It is not my fault that they can't read. Like, Right. Uh, and the manager was like, well, you're going to have to pay it back. I was like, I'm not. And so I was so pissed off. I started writing my uh, two weeks notice out. He's not like, to what mention you you've I already been taxed on it since they used a credit card. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, and he said, just go home, calm down, and we'll talk about it. And he called me up after I left. He's like, we don't need you to come back. And I was like, cool, <laughs> because it was bullshit. And then I worked at uh, Outback as a server for like five years. Um while I was finishing my theater degree, then I was working backstage on a um, touring Broadway show before COVID happened and then COVID happened. Um, And so all of a sudden I was in a place where literally all of my job experience meant nothing because it was like either theater or service industry, Mm -hmm. everything that had shut down. Um, And so I went into being a stay at home dad for two and a half years. Um, and then, like I said, we moved, went out to this fall festival that they have, and I found the restaurant, uh, Farmers and Merchants. And uh, I was like, this is a really cool place. And they had, like, Whistle Pig 15 on their top shelf and Johnny Walker Blue and Double Black and, like, some really nice top shelf stuff. And uh, more importantly, they were drank out of. They were, like, half-empty bottles. So I was like, man, if I'm going to get a job, I might as well try to get a job here where people are spending the cost of those pours. Right. And that, like I said um, earlier, getting there and deciding I wanted to try for manager, I just started self-educating. I got like the joy of mixology and uh, I'm just here for the drinks by Southern Teague and the bar book by Jeffrey Morgenthaler and all this stuff. And like in that, I became like really, really passionate about bartending uh, and learning like the cocktail game and um, like all the ways it had evolved and where it was at now. And this has all been since last year. And, um, and so, yeah, and that's how I got where I'm at. Um, that restaurant ended up closing. The owners ended up getting into a legal dispute in March. And so it closed suddenly, like I worked on a Saturday and found out that we weren't opening the next week. And so I was doing nothing again for a few months. And I found the bar that I'm at now which is a, it's interesting. It's kind of like a food hall, but it still operates like a restaurant. So you do all of your orders through one server or the bartender, but you can order from like four different restaurants. The bar is a craft cocktail bar. Like we have our own menu of our own drinks. We can still do your normal drinks, your whiskey Cokes and stuff like that. But, uh, uh, and then we also have a cafe in there that's connected to the bar. Uh, So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to learn how to use an espresso machine just because I didn't know how. And so, yeah, so that's basically the rundown of how I got to where I'm at. Um, but, like, all of my advanced bar knowledge, air quotes, um, has been self-taught in the past year just from reading and listening to podcasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I depend on my guests to bring in the really interesting and craft cocktail stuff because I worked in uh, mom-and-pop hole-in-the-walls where probably the most technical drink I made was a Long Island iced tea. So, uh, we didn't, I didn't hey, do a... easy drink to make, not necessarily easy to get right. Yes. So yeah. On you. So you did a little bit of everything. You sounds like from what you told me that you did a little bit of, uh, privately owned and corporate 
at one time or another. Yeah. Uh, in a comparison between corporate and privately owned, uh, what did you think? Oh, privately owned, hands down. Um, uh, it, I actually nowadays definitely privately owned, but um, there's some benefits to working corporate. Uh, I guess. Um, but overall, I think in terms of like freedom and stuff like that, um, independence, the way to go because corporate is corporate for a reason. Like everything has to be the same. People have to be able to go to an Outback or a Red Lobster or an Olive Garden or whatever in California and get the same experience theoretically that they'd get in North Carolina mm-hmm. or whatever other state. Whereas for independently owned, that's usually their only spot or they might have like a small chain that's like statewide or a few states where you can operate more freely in. Uh, That's why I really like the place I'm at now and the place I was at before this because I got to like try drink experiments and try stuff and make drinks for like my customers to try and get their thoughts on and help them like or have them help me perfect the drink. Sure. Which is cool something you can't do at a corporate uh, entity usually usually uh actually in my past experience when I uh when I was a bartender mm-hmm. pour costs got uh got really tight I'm the boss really kept an eye on breakage and stuff like that and it got to the point where we couldn't experiment you know it's here try this uh and then we'd have to charge them for it whether they liked it or not but normally we wouldn't charge them for it there was really no uh, free drinks, you know, Hey, it's your birthday, free drinks, because they were, um, keeping track of pork costs really, really tightly. And I can imagine in a corporate situation, uh, that's way worse. Oh, absolutely. And I actually, um, so I only served in corporate, but I had, um, because I like, so I was doing college at the time and stuff and, um, to bartend at the restaurant I was at, you had to also be open to be a floor manager um, or be a key holder. And, uh, so your schedule had to be like fully flexible mm-hmm. and I just wasn't able to provide that at the time, but I did have friends that did bartend and, um, that was something that they talked about. Like there was no such thing as like shift drinks or anything there. Mm-hmm. Um, actually got to the point where we couldn't even come in. Like if we had been working, um, like unless you like came in like with your family or something like that to eat. Um, but they were like really strict about sitting at the bar uh, after hours and stuff like that because, and I think part of that was that they wanted to limit the chance for like free drinks to be given out mm-hmm. and stuff like that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, uh, I used to be, uh, I was the uh, black sheep of my uh, bartending or of the bartenders at one of the restaurants I was at because uh, before the dinner rush uh, and during the dinner rush, the other bartender, uh, I'm going to say call her the head bartender because she worked the most and customers came to see her mostly. And she would let her servers pour their own drinks all the time. But I started getting cluttered behind my bar. You know, people, my servers would stand too long talking to the customers uh, while I'm trying to work or uh, get in my way and stuff like that. So I all of a sudden laid down the rule, okay, I don't care what the other people do. When I'm working, I pour the drinks. That's it. 
And they're like, good luck with that. And I said, you want a drink? You're going to go through me. That's the only way it's going to work. And they acclimated to that actually very well. I I thought I was going to have problems with it, but we were all friends. I mean, you you know how friendships kind of develop when you're working in the service industry, but oh yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, also hatred it, uh, develops really quickly too. The boss hires wow. new new person, and they think, "All right, I'm part of this new family," and uh, we kind of stand there and stare at him, going. You haven't passed the test yet. <laughs> yeah, right. It is like it, it's weird, and um, it, it, I mean, humans work in like clips. It's that tribal mentality, right? Right. And um, and so it is kind of like you get a new person, and you're like welcoming to them, but at the same time, it's kind of like one of those like mm, you're not in the inner circle yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, welcome to work here, but like, don't talk to us like you know us. <laughs> it's unfortunately uh, that we act like it's, it's unfortunate that we act like that, but it's true. Uh, oh, yeah. And then, I mean, there's plenty of people who say it's not I'm like, Oh no, I love everyone and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, but are you going to sit there and like tell this like new person, like the same kind of like deep dark secrets that you'll tell your coworker that you've known for like longer. Mm-hmm. And, and because, and that's like another thing that I've witnessed more, so in restaurant, um, is it's like there might be a longer initiation period, I'll call it, but it's like as soon as they're in, it's like let's divulge everything with each other. Right. We're family now. Um, exactly. Uh, and so sometimes it's like, wow, TMI, but okay, here we are. I know now. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's really interesting the the way the like, the social dynamics are. Uh, I every job that I started, every new job that I went into, I would keep my mouth shut for like the first two weeks and kind of feel everybody out first, and then when I started feeling comfortable, then I'd start opening up to them a little bit, and then they're like, "Oh, good, you're not the quiet kind," or. You are the kind that will, you know, that can hang with us, you know? But, yeah, it's like, it's that new kid syndrome. Like, you just you just don't know. You got to figure out where you fit in um, because you don't want to seem like you're overeager. You don't want to be that guy. Yeah, nobody likes that, that guy. Like, <laughs> exactly. You can, like, really put people off, too, because it's like, ooh. Um, but you also, like, don't want to be too, like, standoffish and creepy either. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a fine balance. Uh, that you got to find. Um, and I think two weeks is good. It's like, I think two weeks is a good break in period um, to be the new guy somewhere. Um, and like for me, for, it was really weird for me because at this new place I started, I started immediately behind the bar. Actually at both of these last two places, I started immediately behind the bar and the bartenders at the restaurant uh, the restaurant I'm at now are basically like acting managers as well. Yeah. So the uh, owner is there and stuff like we're the ones that handle the money and we're the ones that like cut people and all of that. And, and I didn't realize that until like my boss was like, all right, this is your first Sunday. I'm going to close with you, show how to do stuff. And we're already like going over money and doing like our closeout and stuff. And I'm like, why am I learning this so early? <laughs> like I've been here a week. Mm. Um, 
And so, and so then it was like doing that and then being the only one on shift with all of these new people and like, all right, well, you got to listen to me now. So don't hate me. And, and luckily they don't, I, I get along with people pretty well. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it can be a very awkward situation stepping into new roles like that. Um, especially immediately as the new kid. Usually I'd keep my mouth shut for a couple weeks, but the, when you get the new kid uh, coming in and I kind of be standoffish and kind of just watch what they're doing. If they're uh, overly friendly, that's auto- automatically puts me off. Um, and they have to maybe try back off a little bit and try again with me. So, Cause some of my friends were some of my coworkers who had worked with me for a long time. Um, they, they stuck up for me. They're like, the new person would be like that. Anthony guy's kind of a dick, and they're like, "No, you just approached him wrong. Don't approach him like a clown, because <laughs> he hates clowns." And so, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, most of my, uh, uh, I, I'm still good friends with some of the people. There was a point though where my boss, who was one of the coolest bosses that I ever worked uh, worked for, because he pretty much let me do everything. He made me uh, let me make the decisions. Um, but he had to take us aside where he'd hire a new server and the server would quit after two weeks. And he took all the bartenders and servers aside and said, you got to stop running people off. I'm tired of hiring people (laughs) and doing interviews. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, and it's, it's really interesting now, like the way the service industry now or works now, because it's like really an employee's market. Hmm. And, um, and so, you know, there's stuff that people would have like put up with before, but they just won't now because they know they can go get another job elsewhere, like with no problem. Right. Um, finding a job, especially in the service industry is not difficult. And so it's really interesting to see like how managers work to keep their people and try to keep their people happy. Um, because it's very similar to that. Like, um, we've, we've had a few times where someone's gotten ran off by like servers. Um, and, and not even like an act of cattiness. Uh, I know actually before I came, they had like a lot of people quit, um, all within like a very small frame of time. Um, but just like sometimes like people don't drive well and, Um, so like one of them just ended up being like, all right, I'm out, I'm done and left. Uh, and it was kind of that situation. Like you, you guys cannot be like running people. We got to like figure out how to work together here. <laughs> yeah. When you get begged from your boss, <laughs> cause he, he's not a big fan of doing interviews all the time. Uh, it's well, yeah. getting pretty serious. <laughs> Especially if you have someone that like, you think he's going to be pretty good and doesn't have the chance to do that. Right. Uh, and, and there were like issues on both sides of that coin. Um, but it was just one of those like, Hey, you guys need to play next. Mm-hmm. Like let's all be professionals here and let's get along so that we don't have to keep like going through this new, Hey, we've got new people now because that messes up with scheduling and stuff. Cause you have to let them do their training shifts and then you still can't put them Sometimes you can. Most of the time you can't put them like 
immediately taking a full volume of tables. Right. And so then you have to have more servers on. And where I'm at right now, we tip pool, uh, which up until I moved up here, I thought I would never like, like, uh, and it's still not my favorite thing. Like I like making my own money, taking home my own money. Um, but when it's like a smaller staff, it's not too terrible. No. Like, uh, yeah. I've then, often wondered about, uh, pulling tips because there, I figured that there would always be some kind of animosity between crew members going, I worked harder than they did. Uh, and that's sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's probably one of our biggest issues that we face is um, there's a lot of people that will pull their weight and they'll, you know, go above and beyond and stuff. And then some people who won't pull their weight when it comes to side work or doing setup or breakdown or any of that, they're still really good with tables. And it's like, how do you approach that situation? Because they're still doing really good with their tables, So they're still bringing in good money, but they're still like slacking off on all these other things. Mm. Um, and, and so it's frustrating, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the team that we have now is for the most part, pretty good about balancing the workload across them and everyone working together because they understand. And I generally, because of the kids and stuff, I only work days and then I might do like an open to close on Sundays. Um, but what I found is because of the tip pooling is I make right within the same window what um, in tips during the day with fewer servers because we only have like two to three servers on during the day versus at night where they have five or six. So the tips are split more, mm-hmm. um, which was why I'm like, well, then I'll just spend the evenings with the kids and like, do my own thing, have family time and stuff, which is something I never used to have working at restaurants. So it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice how it shakes out that way. Uh, And I think really the most frustrating part of being on a tipple, and actually the way we do it now is pretty cool. Um, And I don't just say it because it was my recommendation. Um, But like a couple weeks after we started, we had a meeting about, if we were going to shift from tip pooling to everyone keeping their own tips. And so I recommended, like, I was like, well, why don't we like stay on tip pool for charge tips? Everyone gets to keep their cash tips. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a half and half thing. Um, so sometimes we've had servers get like a $200 cash tip and that's all there's to keep, which right. is good for them. But then the other side of that is like, if you get a bonkers tip, like $200, $300 on a charge tip, it can be really frustrating knowing that you're going to have to share that with everyone else. Mm. It lets you ran your ass off for. Do you have to share with the hosts and the cooks and the dishwashers too? We don't have um, hosts uh, at our restaurant. It's because of how the restaurant is set up. Um, customers seat themselves and the servers are divided into their sections like a normal restaurant. Um, and so they keep an eye on it. And then as they come, then they get greeted. Uh, so we don't have hosts. Um, so the split is primarily between, um, bar servers, server assistants when we do have them, 
they're usually only on, on like busier nights, so Fridays and Saturdays. Um, and I think that's where the split stops. So it's, it's a pretty minimal split, um, between, but then the nice thing, um, is we get paid higher hourly. Um, so I know I make seven twenty five an hour on top of tips, mm. um, which, uh, this is the first place I've ever worked at where I've gotten that much hourly as well as tips. So it shakes out pretty nicely. Yeah. Vaughn Payne is made for those who want to explore the possibilities of the night. Different, unique, and not like the others. Founded by people who live on the fringe of the alternative communities, enjoyed by all. Vaughn Payne Black Whiskey features a one-of-a-kind heavy metal gargoyles pour spout that is guaranteed to capture the attention of anyone around you when you pour a glass of this deep ruby red blended whiskey. This is a premium blended whiskey infused with natural black currant. At 45% ABV, you will experience many levels of wow factor from the look of the bottle itself, the metal gargoyle, and the great taste of the black currant with the blend of their whiskey. Von Payne Black is now available at CW Spirits. Remember to use code HeyBartender5 for 5% off. So, um, I've always, uh, you talked about that you, uh, studied theater for a little while. I've always greatly maintained that if you are trying to, uh, pursue a passion or anything, uh, extracurricular, a great job to have is to work in the service industry while you pursue that fashion, because, the schedule is a little bit more open. It's a little bit more relaxed. Um, so you went to school while you were still working in the service industry. I did. Yeah. And you were studying theater. I was, yeah, I got my, ended up getting my degree in theater. I had for the longest time I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I don't need a degree. And it was, I was acting professionally. I've been a paid actor multiple times now. Um, but I was doing a show, uh, and one of the guys then offered me a job. I was like, do you need a degree? And he's like, yeah, do you not have one? Cause I was like 26 at the time. And, um, he was like, give me your transcripts. Let me see what you got. So he convinced me to go back to school. And so I finished up in 2018, um, doing that. And it was nice. And, and it has helped. Like I said, I ended up, uh, working for a couple years backstage on a traveling Broadway tour. Um, which was fun, um, but just hard, like because of my family and stuff, but working in restaurants gave me the opportunity to like still have some income, whether I was doing shows or while I was doing school because of that flexibility. And I had an understanding with my manager at the time, like, Hey, if I have shows come up and stuff, will I be able to get this time off? Mm. Uh, and I know the only thing I will say, like it kept me from working at more upscale restaurants where they do like set schedules because they wanted me to like have that freedom to make a set schedule instead of needing flexibility. Uh, I actually just got done doing a show last this past Sunday. I did Rocky horror show. Oh, wow. Uh, I played Frankenfurter in that, but, um, oh, cool. 
And so working the schedule that I work now where I was working mornings was really helpful because I was still able to work my morning shift, leave, drive down to Fayetteville, do rehearsal, do the show, and then be back for work if I needed to be. So service industry is a great thing for people that are pursuing other passions and stuff. It's just kind of ironic because now like bartending has become a passion of mine. Um, but it still gives me the opportunity to like explore that passion and work um, within the world. And being that we are a craft cocktail bar, I get to like experiment at work as well as at home. So if there's ingredients I don't have at home um, that we have at work, as long as I let my boss know, I'm not just like burning through alcohol. Um, he's usually like, yeah, try something. Let's try it out. He actually helped me. Um, I had entered the Remy Martin sidecar competition recently and he helped me with that. Um, like helped provide like obscure ingredients and stuff as I experimented with how to build one. And I didn't get through, but it was my very first competition ever. Uh, so it was a good learning experience regardless, but yeah, service industry, hands down one of the best things to do for following other passions for sure. Now, uh, here's a question just popping in, uh, popped into mind. Um, when you're pursuing, pursuing that passion in your case, theater, uh, has it ever clashed with, uh, with working behind a bar or working as a server? Have you, like you said, you just, uh, you just finished up a Rocky horror show. Did you accidentally come in, uh, come into work the next day and not have time to take off the eyeliner and all that stuff? I, so I actually, I had my nails painted for about two weeks before the show. Um, and that wasn't a huge problem. Um, I had my beard colored, um, but I was able to wash that off. But because I had like eyeshadow and stuff on, um, I had during, while we were doing the run of shows last week, I left the makeup wipes at the theater. And so I came in and it looked like one of the days it just looked like I was super tired <laughs> because I inkish red around my eyes. Um, Another day, I just, like, Sunday, I came in, and I literally drove from Fayetteville, which is about an hour away from here. Um, I had to be at work at 9 a.m. Sunday morning, and we had an 8 p.m. and a midnight show on Saturday. And so I slept at my parents, um, woke the kids up at, like, 7 a.m., drove home, washed my face really quick, got to work, and I still have, like, bits of, like, blue and pink in my beard. <laughs> and eyeshadow and stuff on. Um, but it's fine. I mean, they just thought it was funny. Um, cause I do talk openly about my like theater stuff and all of that. Um, and they're like, wow, having a rough day today. <laughs> a, little, a little bit. Um, but yeah, normally, normally that doesn't happen. Uh, it was just a very, very tight turnaround this past weekend. But your boss uh, is cool with it. He doesn't look at you and go, go wash your face or anything. Oh, yeah. No, he was he was totally cool with it. Um, he he was excited. He, he's a big theater fan and stuff himself. And um, he's actually from California. Yeah, so he just, like I said, he just thought it was funny. Um, and then, like, as soon as the show was over, I, like, got the nail polish off and everything. Um, but really during, during the run, when I did have like my nails painted and stuff, no one said anything. It was just like, ask how the show was going. Yeah. So you, you know, your regulars pretty well then. Yeah. Yeah. That's 
one of the things I um, I love about bartending, uh, especially in a smaller community, because you do get a lot of the same regulars and they come in often. Like at the last place I was having people that would come in two or three days a week because we were the only restaurant bar. Um, this one, I, I usually see the same people at least once a week. So they're pretty cool. And they were all interested in how the show was going and everything. And as long as they got their drinks made for them, they were good. Your regulars come out and help promote, uh, or, uh, uh, watch your show or do they come out and visit you when you do your stuff? Uh, I did have a couple, uh, come out to see this last show. Um, but I wasn't too pressed at, about uh, a lot of people not coming. Cause like I said, I live an hour away from where I was performing, mm. but, um, <clears throat> but usually in Fayetteville, I did have a lot more like regulars and people that I served on a consistent basis that would come out to shows and stuff when I was doing them. Mm-hmm. That's nice when uh, you're, uh, especially when your coworkers, uh, but when your regulars will even uh, help support you, uh, that's a yeah. really good fe- feeling. Absolutely. And then I've had like the flip side of that too, where like I had done a show and then I was serving a table and they were like, Oh my God, you were the guy. And I was like, I was oh, wow. the guy. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool. Cause I had done, um, like I said, I had done some paid theater and stuff and was getting pretty good roles. Like I played, um, Ash in evil dead, the musical, uh, there's an evil dead, the musical there is. And it's amazing. <laughs> it, was, it, it was my bucket. It was like my top bucket list role at the time. That's awesome. Uh, it, 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 so it plays really heavily into the camp of evil dead. Yeah. Uh, but it's still like all of the beats are there, but there's a song in it called like, what the fuck was that? Like right after like they start changing it up, it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but I still got like the whole chainsaw hand, everything. Um, totally yeah. worth checking out. If you're looking for something new, it's ridiculous, yeah. but the saw hand and your boomstick. Yep. Shop smart shop S smart. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that was, that was a lot of fun. And so I did, I had people, um, that I'd come to see that show and then came out to eat and they're like, Holy crap. Did you play Were you Ash? And I'm like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> was like, yeah, but, um, so that, that was always fun. And that's a good feeling too. When people recognize you from stuff like that. Yeah, I bet. Uh, I, I wonder about the day when somebody recognizes, uh, recognizes me from TikTok, or, cause that's the only time I really show my face. Uh, you know, well, all of a sudden somebody says, you're the Hey Bartender podcast guy. I'm, I wonder what that's going to be like. But <laughs> hey, it could happen. Yeah. Never realized all of mine, aside from when I was at work, all of mine have been in the most surprising places. Like I was, uh, I was at a, after Evil Dead again, because um, that's the one that happened with most frequently. Um, I was at a bookstore and my kids were just like going nuts. And, uh, someone was like, still not as bad as a pack of deadites. Right. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And then it clicked. I was like, Oh, uh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's the most random of places. That's awesome. I had never heard of evil dead, the musical. I'm going to have to hunt that down now. <laughs> oh yeah. It's great. And I know like some places go like, so over the top, like one of my favorite ones, um, there's, uh, it used to be on YouTube. I don't know if it still is, but it was like 
clips of like the Korean production of it. And they were coming out wearing like ponchos and stuff. Uh, Cause a lot of them will do like splash zones for the blood effects and sure. stuff. Yeah, I bet. Like, yeah, it's like a whole thing. It's, it's definitely campy, like on the same level as like Rocky horror and stuff like that. But man, it's, it's a blast. At your uh, production of Rocky Horror, did people throw the toilet paper, the rice, and all that stuff? Yeah, so there was a strict restriction on, like, food and water, um, but they gave out prop bags at the uh, beginning to anyone who bought a ticket with toilet paper, newspapers, cards, and stuff like that to throw. They had kazoos and all of that. So we had some really good audiences as far as audience participation went. And um, what was interesting, though, is because we were doing the live show of it. We weren't, like, doing a shadow play with the movie. Um, But we had a couple audiences where people were still doing the movie callbacks Mm. during the live show. And that made it a lot of fun because, like, sometimes someone would say something completely unexpected. And it's like you're on stage, like, trying not to just bust out laughing. (laughs) So continue doing your stuff. So it it was really fun. I've never been to Rocky Horror. Uh, I had a lot of friends in high school that used to go to Rocky Horror every weekend. Well, pretty much hang out until the time warp, and then uh, then they left. But uh, they, uh, I learned about you know I propose a toast and everybody throws toast and or yeah. uh, uh, I learned I learned it all through them. And I can only imagine you know you're doing a stage play. You're you've got the lines in your head. But people are still, you know, during, uh, well, during certain parts of the thing, they're yelling out the stuff that people have been yelling out in the movies for years. And uh, and you have to try to stay in character. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, like, some of the stuff is, it's a pretty raunchy show to begin with, sure. you know, very risque. And so some, some of the stuff they were saying was, like, super vulgar and hilarious, but it's stuff that we, you know, some of the people that were in the show had like, they'd seen the movie, but had never been to like a shadow cast production or anything like that. So they like, didn't know what to expect. Mm. And one of the big ones is like, every time Brad's name is said, people say asshole. Every time his Janet's name is said, he says slut (laughs) and stuff. And so they were getting a lot of that on stage. There's a lot of dick jokes. There's a lot of all of that. Just like, coming from like all over the place. And like some of the stuff was even new and updated. One of the time this past weekend, someone had said something referencing Twitter and Instagram, which was like completely unexpected by me because I'd only known of like the stuff that's been around since like the eighties. Mm. Um, and so it was really fun. Um, but def- definitely something that you have to kind of be on the top of your game for. Um, because they, they can definitely throw you. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, uh, didn't know much about Rocky horror and I had a Dr. Demento, uh, uh, tape, uh, compilation tape and time mm-hmm. warp was on it. And, uh, I was riding around with some friends who like to go rock to Rocky horror and that song came up and they're like, woo. And then they start singing all the, uh, singing all the words but you know, all this, they'd say the stuff, uh, uh, the most, the only one I can remember is when, uh, uh, like when they say, when they yell, do you douche? 
And I'm like, what the, <laughs> why? And it's a, no, not at all. I'm like, what was, what was that about? And it's what you're supposed to yell at Rocky horror. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so there's actually, when I had, um, I'd actually done Rocky horror 10 years ago, thought I'd never get to do it again. And I got asked to do this one. My uh, director for this one was like, how would you feel about playing like a bald bearded daddy, Frank? And I was like, I'm in. <laughs> Um, and so I was listening to a bunch of different albums and there's actually on Spotify, a recording of an audience participation track where you can hear the movie playing in the background, but it's also a recording of the audience doing all of the callbacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because the audience has to be huge. Um, like, and just hearing like so many people doing like all of these callbacks to the whole movie is just kind of mind blowing um, that it's such a thing. And I mean, it's almost like they have their own script. Mm. Yeah. They memorize participate with, and it's just like crazy. Yeah. I've watched a couple documentaries on Rocky horror picture show because I'm uh, before I knew about Rocky horror picture show, I was a fan of Tim Curry and I, well, I still am even though, uh, even though I did watch t- uh, Rocky horror late, late in her later in his career. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. Clue is an awesome movie, but, oh, yeah, um, but, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and some of the fans were like some of those pauses in certain areas in the movie, they felt like that was the director left it for them to say something or do something and, uh, for the audience participation. And I can only imagine that would throw you off, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, you say, I propose a toast, and then all of a sudden, all these pieces of toast come flying at you. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's definitely something else. And it's honestly, compared to the other shows I've done and stuff, it's probably one of the most unique theater experiences I've had. Mm. Uh, but I, too, am a Tim Curry fan. Yeah. Just wanna, he's great. Um, I'm a little... Uh, I feel sorry for him in his condition. I uh, wish him well nowadays, <clears throat> but, uh, uh, but yeah, I've, I've, I've been a fan of his for quite a while. Yeah. But, so, um, you've got the, uh, you've got the bartending job going, you're doing a little bit of theater work, uh, right now, and you've got your family. Um, yeah. that's a full plate if you ask me, but I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm 45 and single. I got nothing, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you've got all that going. Uh, do you have plans, uh, plans for the future? Do you uh, want to continue cocktail, uh, you know, create doing cocktail creations? Do you, uh, want to continue doing theater? Uh, do you have, what do you have in mind? Um, so one of the reasons I went back into bartending, um, like I said before was one, just to like have a place to talk to adults. um, because love my kids, but sometimes I just need a break. Sure. Uh, and uh, the other part of that was that I've always liked the theatrical nature of bartending because it is very performative, you know, and it doesn't even have to be like bar flair and stuff. Um, it's that being kind of, you're on the other side, you're in front of everyone, you're on a stage in a very different way than you are as a server because with servers you get breaks between the times you're dealing with your guests. Whereas 
with your bar guests, like you're on stage the whole time for them mm. until they leave. If they go to the bathroom. Um, but, uh, so, so I do like that. I like the, the kind of performative aspect that kind of goes hand in hand with bartending. Um, and I am leaning more into a focus on the cocktail making and stuff. It's something, like I said, I've grown really passionate about over the last year. I actually just picked up, um, another book that I've been reading the bartender's manifesto, um, by Toby Maloney and the bartenders of the violet hour, uh, in Chicago. And that's like reading that has kind of like opened up a whole new level of like cocktail creation that I'm excited to start exploring. Um, just the way they talk about different stuff. So, um, I've been trying to do like stick with doing one show a year, um, just to still do theater cause I love theater. Um, but I'm happy at the level I'm at. I'm not like trying to make it my bread and butter job or anything like that. Um, I just like getting to get on stage and play with my friends. Um, so I am more leaning into the focus. That's why I started doing like the Facebook page and the Instagram page and now the TikTok. Um, trying to get somewhere with that. I think before we started uh, with just a couple of videos I did on TikTok, I was averaging like one like per five views, um, which I'm pretty happy with starting out because yeah. like the stuff I've done so far is not super great, um, but it's something. And um, yeah, so I'm really interested in learning more of the cocktail creation and seeing where that goes um, and, and seeing where I can go with that. I know that the bar I'm at now, they've got another branch opening up here within the next year. Um, so it'd be kind of cool to help with like building that bar program. Cause it's going to be similar to the one we have now, but different. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that would be something I'm really interested in and just seeing where my own personal like bartending stuff goes. Um, whether it's, you know, with drink making or just making, dumb tasting videos like the one I did for bourbon where I just said they all taste like bourbon and smell like bourbon. Um, <laughs> a bur because, that bourbon talk got really butthurt on that one. Oh man. I, that's what I'm really want to happen. Um, <laughs> I haven't had anyone make any comments yet, but that was like part of the idea because my brother-in-law, well, he's like, I just don't know what people are talking about. Like it all tastes like bourbon. And that's what gave me the idea. I was like, it would be really funny to me at least to do like a full on bourbon tasting video, but then only describe everything as bourbon. So I say like, it has a very bourbony smell on the nose. Um, and like, you know, at the front of my mouth, I taste bourbon. And as I like let it go to the back of my tongue, I taste more bourbon. Um, <laughs> I'm like taking notes as I do it and stuff. Like I'm doing a legit tasting. Um, and then as it really, the thing I really want, like, bourbon talk to see is I had one singular Glencairn glass, um, which I say in the video, I was like, you take a drink of water from this like special water glass. My mom got me and I bring it out and it's a Glencairn, which is like specially designed for whiskey and scotch drinking. <laughs> um, and I'm doing this whiskey tasting video, drinking water from it. Um, and just like done stuff like that. Cause sometimes, it's just like, if it amuses me, 
that's the most important thing. Like, I don't know if you happen to see, um, as the show was opening last week, I was making Rocky horror themed drinks. And so the first one I did, it was a French 75, but I used Rose instead. So I called it Rose tent my world after one of the songs in the show. Mm -hmm. And then the next one I did, I did the time warp, you know, you know, biggest number in the show by far. Um, and I did like, it was like a Remy Martin cold brew, uh, chocolate chili bitters, um, drink. And, uh, so I did that one. And so, and so I started thinking like three days before opening, I was like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And like I said earlier, I try to make my drinks based off either a name or like a concept. And I always put like a tagline. And so I was like, I'm going to make a drink based off Frankenfurter since that was the role I was playing. Um, and I was like, what are, what are things that describe Frankenfurter as a character? I was like, well, he's like vile. He's kind of really the bad guy of the movie. Um, but he's like intoxicating. That's he's like seducing Brad. He's seducing Janet. And that's kind of like his whole thing. And, um, and so my tagline was vile, but intoxicating. It's called the Frankenfurter. And all I did for it was chilled two shots of vodka and dropped a hot dog in it. <laughs> uh, uh, and that was it. And I had to put a disclaimer on that. Um, I was like, this is very clearly a joke. Um, I was like, this is very clearly a joke. I feel like it should be obvious, but I wanted to put this just in case. Um, because I know someone out there is going to see this and think I'm being serious. I was like, this is going to be the drink that I've made that someone goes out and tries before anything else is this vodka with a hot dog in it. Uh, and I did have one friend actually like show up and he's like, you know, that might actually not be too bad. I'm like, man, <laughs> like, don't do this. We'll do this. got like five other serious drinks that I've made since I've started this. I was like, and this is the one. Um, but I did it cause it amused me. Like I had the thought and I was like, that's exactly what I'm doing. I was like, there's nothing that's going to override this thought. Yeah. And I did. I thought on it for like three days before we opened and then I made it and I was like, yes, this is hilarious. <laughs> Sometimes that's all that matters. Right. As long as you're entertained. I mean, that's, people forget that about TikTok. I mean, a lot of people take, uh, take stuff really seriously or, you know, spend probably hundreds of thousands on costumes all year long just so they can make content consistently or, oh, yeah. uh, or just those people that, uh, sit on TikTok just to trash talk you. I mean, you... yeah, like one of the things I saw, I was talking to a friend of mine who had come out to see the show and she, she does a lot of TikToks and she was super excited. She had ended up having a video like just that day. Um, that ended up getting up to like 32,000 views. And it was her first one that had ever gone that high. Um, like before that she was in like the 1000 views and stuff like that. And her and I were talking about like TikTok theory. And one of the points I had brought up that I had heard from another friend of mine was like, one of the tips they give you is to like intentionally spell something wrong. Yeah. And because people will come to correct you and that's engagement. Right. And I'm like, that's so crazy to me. Like people are so driven to have to correct someone. And that's actually what led to me doing the 
thing with the Glencairn glass because it was like there might be someone someday who sees that and like has an aneurysm because they're like that glass is meant for whiskey. Like, why are you not using <laughs> video? Um, so fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> but I've decided I'm like going to use my my tasting series um, for just like dumb ideas like that because like so many people already have like tasting videos um, and, and it's been done. Um, and so originally I was going to do like every video playing up the same bit uh, where I just said like, Oh, this drink tastes like what the drink is uh, until I got to vodka. And then I was going to insist that all of my vodkas had been changed with rubbing alcohol. <laughs> uh, but um, instead what I decided to do for my next one um, is I bought the three cheapest bottles of tequila I could find. And I'm going to do like a very serious, real taste test. Yeah. But of this like awful below well swill, <laughs> yeah. like I bought cost over $10. Yeah. And my stomach kind of clenches at the thought already, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. My friend was like, you know, you don't have to use like real tequila. You could just put water in the glasses. I was like, no, cause they'll know. <laughs> they'll see from my reaction that I'm not really drinking something awful. Um, so, but I said, sometimes it's just the dumb stuff that amuses me. And I've decided that, you know, I've got my drink making videos that I'm going to like pursue for something serious. So I might as well have something fun. Yeah. Why not? Just if anything to entertain yourself, that's what it's all about. Because that's the, uh, that's the most you can do. You can't ever guarantee what someone's going to like. I know, like you said, your big blow up was like complaining about blenders and then people not listening to the other half of the statement where you like made the drink anyways. Yeah. Um, and people be like, do your job. And so you never know what's going to get someone's attention or what people are going to go crazy about. So it was like, as long as you're enjoying what you're doing, you know, you've got that box checked. And if other people like the thing, cool. Well, the thing that about that video was, uh, I did initially get hit by thousands of people that were like, just do your job. That's what you're paid to do. If you don't like doing it and then taking off the menu. But the cool part of it was the service industry, bartenders, servers, baristas even came to my rescue saying blenders are the bane of my existence. And I'm like, this is so cool. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Especially, I mean, like, you know, not everyone works at like a Bahama breeze or I think that's what it's called. Uh, or something where they have like the machines where everything is like kept blending and stuff and you can just like pour it out into a cup. Right. And like we, we actually just started doing smoothies at my work and it drives me crazy. Uh, luckily, because we're attached to a uh, fitness, a, um, a CrossFit gym. Mm-hmm. And um, so we we're like, oh, we'll start doing smoothies, you know, to kind of appeal to that crowd. Luckily, we only serve smoothies from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. every day. Um, Hopefully, you got more than one blender. We do now. Okay. The very, when we did our soft rollout week, we only had one blender. And actually, we still only have one blender, but we have like three um, crafts. Right. Um, So we can at least be making one while one's blending and switch out, which helps. Um, But the first week, we had within two hours, like 16 people come out um, to the point where we were like running out of ingredients because it was our first week. We didn't know what to expect. 
And I'm like, we, we can't do this. There's, there's no possible way that we can keep up with this volume with one blender. Yeah. So it was like, you're either going to have people getting really pissed off, people not wanting to wait. And like I said, we ran out of ingredients. So like a lot of them had to leave anyways, but we had so many people waiting because it was like one of them would want almond milk. The next one would want oat milk. The next one would want some other ingredient. So it's not even like we could batch like three or four smoothies at one time. And like we to... were having to do. No, go finish your thought. Uh, we had to do like one smoothie at a time for eight people. And then sometimes those eight people would order like two or three smoothies. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't do this. And so my boss came back and he's like, so what do you think about doing like frozen drinks? I was like, no, <laughs> I, was like, Absolutely. I was like, we, we, we can't, I will lose my mind. Um, and he was like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so I was like, and when you got one blender and you're making different drinks, you got one person who wants four different flavors. You've got to wash the blender every single time. It, yeah, it's it's just it's pace breaking. Like even even just the act of like putting the ingredients in, it's pace breaking compared to making a drink. It's similar but different. Um, especially because like our blender station isn't like right at the bar. So it's like getting there, going back to coolers, getting stuff or gathering everything up and then taking it. Um, and like I said, it's made easier now um, with the three crafts because I can like make one, start another one, or I can at least like spread if like all of the drinks have banana in it, I can do that. So if someone's ordering like three different drinks, but there's only one variable different, I can basically make all three of those drinks and then just add the changed variable. So it makes everything go a little bit smoother, but even then it just like, like you said, you have to wash it in between. And then we have one blender that's specifically for nut allergy. So like if we like, um, you know, so we gotta make sure not to use peanut butter or almond butter or anything in that one. Um, and then we like really don't try to wash them together. Uh, and so it is, it's insane because our dishwasher, we've got like a little mini dishwasher behind the bar, um, which is nice, but I think it takes like two minutes to go through a full cycle. Mm. Uh, and so that's two minutes you're down between each one. Yeah. It's, it's awful. And I've literally from the day I started bartending, never met a single bartender friend or otherwise that has been like, Oh yeah, I love making blended drinks. Almost everyone has done it with like a resigned sigh. Like, uh, okay. Yes. I'm going to make this margarita or this daiquiri or yeah. this pina colada. Um, yeah. The, all the people that I, uh, that, uh, were negative comments on that video that I posted, I automatically assumed they have never worked a day in the service industry in their lives and they yeah. just don't understand. Uh, but yeah. to them, it's just quite easy. Just go get another job, whatever, you know, if you don't like your job, just quit. And sometimes we can't yeah, do that. <laughs> that. And like, sometimes it is like, I do like my job. I just, and I, I actually think you said that on the episode, it's like, I do like my job. I just hate this small portion of it. Right. And it's not so bad that it's going to like override my love for the rest of the job, but I'm still going to bitch about it. Yeah. Because it's so, yeah. Um, and you, uh, but there are times where you, okay, I'll make this blended drink for you. 
please God, please don't let anybody else see it and think it looks good and they want one. <laughs> Absolutely. And, that, and that's, that's really honestly, like if it was one person that came up and asked, I'd be like, yeah, sure. I'll make it. But it is that fear that like <laughs> someone else is going to see and want one. Mm. And then it's just spiral into everyone else wanting one. And I just, I ain't got time for that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's, especially it's, after it's, last call, no blended drinks after last call. Oh yeah. I, I hate like, even with the smoothies, um, if it gets to like one fifty, and I get a smoothie order in, I'm like, man, I'm going to quit. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's just like, come on. I was so close. I was so close to blended freedom. And now I have to make another one. Um, but yeah, especially after last call, like I'm closing down. That thing is already clean. I'm cat push it off the shelf and break it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's just so funny. Um, how people are. And then you can tell, you can tell like when people have worked in the service industry, um, you know, with stuff like that or, like when it comes to tipping and stuff, I very, very rarely meet anyone that's worked in the service industry that is, I won't say that's not against tips because I've actually met a lot of people that are like, Oh, I wish, you know, we didn't have tips or we didn't like weren't supposed to tip or whatever, but I've met very few that won't tip mm-hmm. because they understand the contract. Right. Um, but I've had other friends who have not worked in the service industry that, we've gotten into like full blown arguments over the idea of tipping. Um, because they're like, I shouldn't have to pay your salary. I'm like, you know what? You're right. You shouldn't. But if you're going out, you're going out with the understanding that that's the money they're working for. I was like, and if you choose not to tip knowing that it still makes you an asshole, regardless of if you feel you should pay their salary or not. Mm. Like, um, and what's really weird about it though, is he's actually a really good tipper. <laughs> just gets very vehement in his like denial or his like stance against the idea of tipping, um, which is better than a bad tipper. Right. Um, but it's just, and or like a lot of people like, Oh, I could do your job. Like your job's so easy and stuff like that. And, and sh- there are elements of it that are easy, but people just don't understand how much goes on in service industry stuff and how much like the interplay between like front of house and back of house and like how stuff can happen. That's not your fault. But if you're front of house, like it still is a bad look to blame it on anyone else. And you're still the one that has to bear the brunt of the punishment. And it's like, man, if you just worked in retail for a week or worked (laughs) in, restaurant, whatever for a week, just to see how people are. And I will say that since I've gotten back into it post COVID, I've only had one really bad interaction. Um, and that's cause the guy was like super drunk, but a lot of people have in my experience, at least have become more understanding of short or like short staffed restaurants and stuff. And as long as like, it's explained to them. They've been pretty patient for the most part. Um, 
but back, especially when I was working corporate and I don't, I don't know if it's just because it was corporate. And so they knew that they could get away with whatever they wanted or the customer's always right mentality. I used to say that if I was in like a zombie apocalypse and like everyone else with me was in like the customer service mindset, I would just open the doors <laughs> because it's just, it's such a terrible mindset. Like, or you'd get people that came out and would be like, Oh, we waited like two hours for this seat. Was like, no one told you to do that. Yeah. You chose to wait. Why are you mad at me about your choice? Um, or like the people that come out, like they're just looking to have a bad time and take it on. And like, what? You just stay home. Yeah. There are like, people that are out there just looking to pick a fight no matter what. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, luckily, I've not ran into too many people like that, like I said, since getting back into it. But it's just, I don't know, the customer mindset is wild. Yeah. Kylix A-N-T-E is a carefully formatted supplement to help prevent hangovers. If you're about to go to a party, if you're going to go out with friends and you know you're going to be drinking pretty heavy or just even drinking average and you just want to make sure that the next day you feel normal, take Kylix before you go out and you can have a great night and the next morning you will be feeling just the way you should. It supports healthy liver function and replenishes what your body needs, which is just another way of saying you'll feel better after your night out. Calyx A-N-T-E is available at cwspirits.com. Use Hey Bartender 5 at checkout and get 5% off your entire order. Hey Bartender. Well, we're coming up on last call. Uh, thank you so much, Zach, for being on Hey Bartender Podcast. Um, if you want to take a moment here to let people know where they can find you on social media or how to contact you, Go right ahead. Absolutely. Um, my Facebook and TikTok um, are both under Z Williams Bartender. Uh, my Instagram is also under Z Williams Bartender, just with underscores between Z and William, or between Z and Williams and Williams and Bartender. So Z Williams Bartender across all those platforms should be able to find me. Cool. Um, well, it, like I said, it's great, been great talking to you. A uh, uh, lot of fun talking about the your theater, uh, theater stuff. And really interesting, uh, how you came up with that, uh, with that drink. What was the drink special called again? The cowboy Kickstarter cowboy Kickstarter. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on. Hey, bartender podcast. I hope to talk to you again, uh, later sometime in the future. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you for having me. All right, people. It is last call, last call for alcohol. If you didn't hear me say last call, I'm not doing a big song and dance number to make sure that you know, it's last call. You, you didn't hear me. You're not getting a drink. Anyway, big thanks to Zach uh, for being on the show. Uh, wish him luck with all of his theater work. Wish him luck with uh, his cocktail making. Uh, he's, he's He was a really great guy. Fun to talk to. Big thanks to Laura Hope and the Arctones for their song, Dr. Bartender. Uh, remember to check out their music on Spotify and stuff, man. They uh, Their music is just so awesome. And, you know... You know, I'm a little partial. I'm a big fan of rockability, but she and her band are just so powerful and energetic. If you want to feel good about something, go listen to their music for a little while.
Remember to go visit www.heybartenderpodcast.com where you can pick up some Hey Bartender Podcast swag and maybe listen to the latest episode if you feel the need. Also, people, it is the holiday season and it is time to stock up on alcohol for your future parties. Go to cwspirits.com, use promo code HeyBartender5 and get 5% off your entire order. Whatever you order, 5% off. And not to mention, any orders over $125 get free shipping. Remember to follow me on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. All of those are at Hey Bartender Podcast. You know, I just finished up the 50 states uh, strange liquor laws thing, and I'm looking for something else to do. Anybody have any suggestions? By the way, I just uh, broke 26,000 followers on TikTok. Thank you so much. If you are one of those followers followers that is listening to this show right now i appreciate you so much thank you um i'm growing it uh getting the podcast out there this is getting to be really fun for me and remember when you go over to any of my social media sites uh i have a link tree there if you uh, want a quick link to cw spirits von Payne, or even my venmo or my cash app just head on over to one of my social media sites, Instagram, TikTok, click on the link tree, and, uh, you know, even drop a message. There's a link there so you can drop a voice message on anchor.fm. And if you're good, you'll get played on the podcast. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. We will be back soon with another episode, but until then, I wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got here.